0: Good morning, church. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? Who loves the Word of God? Good, because we're going to have lots of it this morning. In Psalm forty sixteen, it says, May all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. Psalm 105, verse 3 says, Exalt His holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Psalm 97, 12 says, May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Psalm 98, verse 4, it says, Shout to the Lord, like Gary was saying. That's what we've got to do. All the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy. Philippians 2, 18. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Philippians 4, 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. I always start singing the song when we get to that when that verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. Do you think there's a pattern going on here? Can you think about what I'm actually preaching on? God wants you to be happy. Did you know that? That's something. Amen. Let's give him a clap for that one. There can be no doubt that God wants us to be happy and he's pleased when we're happy. Christians are to be joyful people. Turn to your neighbour and say, God wants you to be happy. When I think of the wonderful land that we live in and the abundant freedom we enjoy, it's difficult to comprehend so many of us are unhappy. The vast majority of Australians, and among them some Christians, cannot truly, without qualification, say, I am happy. Isn't that sad? So why are so many people unhappy? How is it that the majority of the people in the most blessed, and I'm I'm a bit, I mean, I know I was born in Scotland, but I'm a little bit patriotic to Australia. I love Australia. I love this land and I love this country. And we are so blessed to be in Australia, and this is the best country in the world and Why, with all of that, are we unhappy? What's with that? What is wrong with us, especially when the bible in the Bible that speaks of God's desire for us to be happy, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of passages that not only tell us that we should be happy but it gives us instructions on how to be happy. Okay, I can't figure it out either. Abraham Lincoln observed, people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. Ooh. Okay. Okay. And centuries before him, Lincoln, the Roman Empire, Marcus... um, Before Lincoln, the Roman Empire, Marcus Antonius said, no man is happy who does not think himself so. Mm, Okay. Roger Lestrange, the English journalist, said it best. It's not the place nor the condition, but the mind alone that can make anyone happy or miserable. Have you seen those adverts for some of those beautiful, and I love them, I must admit, I have a soft spot for African children. Now they are in the worst conditions, aren't they? Some of them are starving. They've, their bellies are so distended; it's horrible to see. But do you know what you see the first time? That beautiful smile, isn't it? That's the thing. Now, is their condition pretty good? No. Is their future that? Can they see that they're going to have a mortgage-free life? Yeah, because they don't have a house that's nothing to do with it, is it? It's their choice. They are happy within themselves. So I've concluded that the unhappiness of Australians in general and Christians in particular is a result of not having a proper disposition towards the people, the things and the circumstances that we encounter every day. The scriptures indicate that this happiness um, which we speak, is found only by properly ordering our lives in relation to Christ and his will. So if we're within the will of God, we're going to find happiness, aren't we? If we step out of the will of God, doesn't matter how much money we've got, doesn't matter what size our house is, what's, what brand of car we drive, how many children, whether we're married or single, whether we are you know, got a good relationship or a bad relationship, we're not going to be happy. And it doesn't make any difference what we try to do if we're outside the will of God. It's not going to work for us. A spiritual mind is a happy mind. Matthew chapter 5 is the great chapter on happiness. So as Deb was saying, wherever she is, she was saying, if you want, if you're feeling a bit down, that's, that's where you go as well. Psalms is good, but this is, if you want to go to the New Testament, Matthew 5. And happiness, or as the King James Version says, blessedness is, the, is, is, the, is right the way through this chapter. So I'm reading from the Amplified this morning, and it is a little bit long, so bear with me. Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and when he was seated, the disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and taught them, so this is something that got, that Jesus thought worthy to sit there and spend time with his disciples about because this is a foundational thing isn't it It's something that you with this you can go on without this, it's very very difficult. blessed and happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life joy. And satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's why those beautiful children can have happiness. That's why people in worse situations can still have joy, because it says it here. Doesn't have anything to do with the outward conditions, doesn't have anything to do with the bank balances, it's within them. So, blessed and enviably happy with happiness produced by the experience of God's favour and especially conditioned by the revelation of His matchless grace are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What a great comfort that is! Blessed. Happy, blithesome, that's a good word, joyous, spiritually prosperous with life, joy and satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the meek and the mild, patient and long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state which the born again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness and right standing with God for they shall be completely satisfied. Doesn't mean if they've had a steak dinner, they'll be satisfied, does it? Doesn't matter if they're hungry. It says here, they're going to be completely satisfied. Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy and satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed, happily, enviably fortunate and spiritually prosperous, possessing the happiness produced by the experience of God's favour and especially conditioned by the revelation of his grace, regardless of their outward conditions, are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. Blessed, enjoy enviable happiness, spiritually prosperous with life, joy and satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of their outward condition, are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed and happy and enviably fortunate and spiritually prosperous, In the state in which the born-again child of God enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of what? His outward conditions are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for being and doing the right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and happy to be envied, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy and satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of your outward conditions, are you... When people reveal you you or revel you and persecute you and make all kinds of evil things falsely on my account. That's a tough one though, isn't it? When people say things against you because of your belief, that's a really hard one. But be glad and supremely joyful for your reward is in heaven. It is great for it is the same way people persecute the prophets who were before you. In these verses, Jesus tells us that our happiness is the result of having our minds filled with the right understanding of reality and our hearts set on the desire for spiritual things. When our lives are ordered in the right way, we will be happy. Let's look at some principles that governs happiness. So the first thing is, Happiness cannot be found having everything you desire. Sorry, guys. Sorry, girls. Having that perfect man, it ain't going to cut it. He might be nice. He might be great. He might be a wonderful man of God. But that's not where you're going to find your happiness. An American preacher, Henry Van Dyke, wisely says, it is better to, to desire the things we have than to have the things we we desire let's bit back to front on how our natural thinking goes, isn't it? But it's true. And he got that from Solomon, who, after he'd sought every desire of his heart, he'd said, "Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I didn't withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Then I looked at the works that my hands had done. And on the labour in which I toiled, and indeed it was vanity, grasping for the wind. So he had absolutely everything, and he finally says there was no profit under the sun. So he had everything, didn't he? Absolutely everything. He was arguably the richest man that ever lived, and he indulged in every desire, every whim, every inclination and he was miserable. He was actually very unhappy. His life, he says in Ecclesiastes 2.11, he said his life was empty and his spirit was vexed. So, it's not in the money, it's not in the possessions, it's not in what you're doing. Clancy DeFew, a one-time chairman of the board of the New York Central Railroad, and a two-term senator, said, Unhappy is the man who is not so much dissatisfied with what he has as with the other fellow's possessions. He recognised that we covet the possessions of our neighbours and friends and family. Ouch, I think most of us are guilty of that one, even if we don't want to be. Charles Spurgeon recognises this truth and he observes, Happiness is being satisfied with what we've got and with what we don't have. That's the heartbeat, isn't it? Being happy with what you've got is not so bad. But being happy with what you haven't got, hmm, that takes a bit more effort. Both of these men have been reading after the Apostle Paul, who said in 1 Timothy 6 to 10, but godliness with contentment is great gain. It doesn't just say godliness, and it doesn't even just say contentment, does it? but the combination of the two is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eagerly are eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it's not saying that you can't have money. It's just saying that if you're chasing it, that's the wrong thing to do if you take your eye off what God wants you to do. So Paul understood that we can easily deceive ourselves into believing that others are happier than we are because of their possessions. Therefore, we struggle to have what they have in order to be as happy as we perceive they are. This vicious cycle of struggling to keep up with the Joneses fills our lives with so much sorrow, doesn't it? It's just such a waste of energy, but it's pretty hard not to. And Solomon figured it out and he says, All labour of man is for his mouth, yet the soul is not satisfied. You see he learned that things actually don't make us happy. The things, having things, don't make us happy. I'm not sure of how many of you know about it, but um, my, my testimony is that I came from um, Rockingham before here, and um, my husband and I had um, very successful businesses. We had three, three pool shops, a building company, a swimwear company, and we were really quite, quite successful. And at the top of our, our um, tree type of thing, we had all the trimmings that came with it, the houses, the cars, the money and all that stuff. And it was great. Not great, great, but it was good. It was okay. And I started praying. So be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. I started praying, Lord, I know you don't want me to be here, Get me out of here, and I don't care how. (laughs) Stupid bread. Don't ever, ever, ever pray it, because he does it. He answers it. So we um, we were going along really well, and a few times I thought, okay, I don't even think this is what God wants me to do. So I started to go off, and something would happen. Something would get in the way. Oh, okay, back in again. Start doing it again. And um, we were the gold medal winners for the greatest pools in WA and then we went to the national competition and we won the gold medals for the national competition and that was all super duper. So we were not only the top of the tree in Perth, but we were the top of the tree nationally. So we were going along really great and lots of, you know, time spent there and the family was all involved. And Then we couldn't get the... Um, materials to start a new project and we couldn't get materials to finish a new project. Now that's unheard of but God works in mysterious ways. So we ended up having to um, go into involuntary uh, to voluntary liquidation because we didn't want to get ourselves into a position of being insolvent so that's what we did and we lost absolutely everything. We had no house, we had Actually, literally, no house. <laughs> we, had to, we gave up our rental properties. We gave up the business. We gave up our jobs. We gave up our income. We gave up absolutely everything. We came out of it with um, the clothes on our back and some of the furniture because we had such a big house, we wouldn't have fitted all the furniture into it anyway. So we came with absolutely nothing. But you know what? We weren't miserable, we weren't, it didn't actually, what we did come out of it with was the joy of the Lord. He walked us through that time and it made us realise, we weren't really materialistic in the first place, but when we came out of it, people were saying to us, how can you, how can you give up all of that? Because we didn't have to give it all up, we, we chose to because we wanted people to be paid. Um, But we we chose to do that because we recognised even back there in the worst time that our happiness did not depend on the size of the house. It did not depend on the size of the car. It did not depend on our position in society. It had nothing to do with that because we were together as a family and we were closer to God and closer to each other than we had ever been. Nine times out of ten, we didn't have time to be close together because we were so busy making the money and the business go around. So it was such a good time. It was a horrific, horrendous time. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't recommend it to my worst enemy. But in all of that, it was a good time because our family was closer, Our we were closer to God, and eventually I ended up doing what God wanted me to do, which was move here <laughs> but um that that's that's the journey that we came through this second thing we need to look at is we will not be happy being someone different than we are we doesn't matter who you are you are who god wants you to be not your next door neighbor Not the person next door to you, that lives next door to you. You need to be exactly who God wants you to be. I've heard people say, Oh, I'd be happy if only I had so-and-so. Or if I'd be happy if only I could do such and such. My friend of mine um, in Rockingham, when I first started going to the Rockingham Church, I met this beautiful woman of God. She is absolutely, absolutely precious. Maureen was her name, and she was everything I wasn't. She was tall. don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not actually tall. <laughs> she was very elegant.
1: I'm not really very elegant.
0: She was meticulously dressed. her makeup was perfect. her hair was always perfect she just she had this grace when she walked i am not walk very gracefully and she had a beautiful beautiful husband absolutely gorgeous husband well i had this poor couple up on the pedestal that they couldn't possibly live up to if they lived to be 100 and they and her prayer oh my goodness this woman prayed the most brilliant prayers All these really long words, you know, these really... And scripture in it everywhere. Like, oh, you... Oh, I used to think I want to be just like her. And I'll never be blessed like her because that's not who I am. She is a beautiful woman and she is being who God wants her to be. And like it or not, I've got to put up with the way I pray. And it's not with great big long words and it's not with fancy bits stuck in there too. I am short and I pray short. I, it just doesn't work for me any other way. So, and it's, it, I think the Bible recognises that we have limitations. My height is my limitation, but I also have limitations spiritually I can't be someone else. It just doesn't work. And it takes too much energy and I'm too lazy. So, and I think the Lord illustrated that truth in the parable of the talents. When you look at that parable, you can get so much out of these things, can't you? You can get so much out of them. So Matthew 25, 15. And the Lord expected each person that he gave the talents to to do what he could do in accordance with the ability that he possessed. When he condemned the man with the one talent, it wasn't because he wasn't like the other two. That wasn't, the, that wasn't it. But it was because he didn't use the ability that he had. Ouch. That's where we've got to pick up our game, isn't it? It's not that we have to be, I don't have to pray like Maureen but I have to do the best that I can do and pray the best that I can do that Caroline can, isn't it? So what a horrible church it would be if we had an entire church, as great as our worship team is, a whole church full of worship singers and that's it. What a horrible church this would be if we had a whole church full of preachers, wouldn't it? Because we wouldn't have people there to pray for each other. We wouldn't have people there to you know, follow up on the pastoral care team. We ha- wouldn't have people there to welcome you as you arrived. And it just wouldn't work. And that's why God made us the way that he did. There's... Three different types of people in the world the wills, the won'ts, and the can'ts. Okay? The first kind does everything, the second kind opposes everything, and the third kind fails at everything. Okay? Too many of us are failing though because. We don't do what we can do and be pleased with it. We've got to do what we can do and just be happy with that. Does that make sense? So happiness won't be found running from here to somewhere else. So sorry guys, if you're meant to be at Champion Lakes, you're meant to be at Champion Lakes. If you move to wherever... Your baggage is going to move with you. The stuff that you're trying to run away with is going to go with you. It's going to follow you. So there's a story of a man who was responsible for a gate in a small town. One day a man came to the gate and asked, what kind of town is this? The gatekeeper replied, from what kind of town did you come? Very wise gatekeeper. The gatekeeper, uh, the um, the newcomer said, said to the uh, report, was one of dissatisfaction, disharmony and disgust. Who'd want him in your town? So the gatekeeper very wisely replies, you will find this town to be the same. So the man went somewhere else. The next day, another man came and inquired of the little town. The gatekeeper again asked, from what kind of town did you come? This guy Gave a glowing report from his former town, speaking of love and sharing and goodwill, and that it characterised all its inhabitants. To this, the gatekeepers replied, "Come in! This place will be just the same. It was just—it's got all of those good qualities. Come in and join us." Do you get the message there? It's not—you're going to go there. You're going to take your stuff with you. You go with a good attitude, you take a good attitude with you. And Israel experienced the wilderness. As, it, it, their experience in the wilderness is a good example of that, isn't it? I mean, gosh, how many times did they whinge and complain? They were getting out. The Egyptians were not exactly the best hosts, were they? <laughs> I mean, let's face it. They, they didn't exactly have the, the best life when they were there. And then God sent Moses to deliver them out of their suffering into this land of milk and honey. What did they do? Whinged and carried on like pork chops. Probably the wrong thing to say, but they did. They carried on and carried on. And then they decided, oh, it wasn't that bad in Egypt. Where was their brain? It was terrible. So I I really don't know what, what they were thinking. So I'm not sure what planet they were even on. But Israel couldn't be happy anywhere, could they? It wasn't going to make any difference where God put them. He gave them manner and they whinged. They didn't have manner and they whinged. They did this and they whinged. So it wasn't, geographic change for them wasn't actually working until they got their hearts right with God. Once they got their hearts right with God, the geograph didn't make any difference, did it? didn't make the slightest difference in their In this stance. So the next one sorry, kids. Happiness cannot be found in not having to conform to any rules. Mm. Jesus gave us an accurate picture of those who live in disobedience to God. And, you know, me sending you to the naughty corner is nothing in comparison to what God does when you're naughty and that sort of came through in the prodigal son didn't it that young boy was certain his life was going to be joyful and satisfying if he could get out from under his dad's rules does that sound familiar anybody got teenagers yep i think my kids were going to leave when they were 16 didn't happen because they've discovered that they couldn't afford it anyway so they had to put up with the rules i don't think that was the like the rules but i just think that was the financially they couldn't they like food, I think. <laughs> that always helps. So, um, But most people today, they want to live without any rules and without any obligations. They also want to live without authority and they'd rather be a law unto themselves. And I don't know if anybody watched that series. The, um, the, it was about the Milpera Massacre. I wouldn't recommend it. It was quite graphic and quite horrible. But because of circumstances in our our situation, I I actually watched it to get a bit of an inkling as to what it was about because it was a true story. And it was about a bikey gang, two bikey gang, or a bikey gang that broke up into two and they ended up fighting each other and there was a horrible massacre. But while I was watching it, I said to my husband, um, I said, what's that 1% badge on... On the colours you know that that these bikies were wearing and he said oh that's because they are the one percent of the population that like to live outside of the law that's they're the one percenters which i didn't know that so there you go so i said okay i said but he says they don't like to have like rules they don't obey obey the, the rules And I was sitting there and I was watching this, the rest of the series, totally differently because it was true. They had their own rules that they had to follow, but they still had rules. Even though they were the 1%, they still had to have rules. But the crazy thing that I couldn't work out and I still can't work out is that our rules that we've got in society, they are almost directly, they are getting a little bit skewed now, but directly from the inspired word of God. So at least they're not man-made rules. They are God-inspired rules that we live by in our society. The rules that these guys are up against, the the people in these gangs were very, very broken people. I really felt quite different to what I thought I would when I was watching it. I actually felt very sympathetic. I felt lots of empathy for them and I felt really sad at their situation and the fact that they were so broken and you I just wanted to take them all home and get them through a care force recovery program and get them fixed but it they're so broken and the people that lead them are the most broken and they're the guys making the rules how does that work how is it ever going to work so to get it back it It doesn't matter where you live. Even if you are the 1% of the population who doesn't like to live under our society's rules, guess what? There's rules. You cannot get away from it. And your happiness is not going to be found being a 1%er. I'm telling you that right now because you still have rules you've got to obey anyway. So in conclusion... God wants you to be happy and he has made it possible for you to be truly happy through Jesus Christ. All that's left for us to do is to make up our minds that we want to be happy and turn to Jesus today and be truly, truly blessed and in the kingdom of heaven. Father, we praise you and thank you today, Lord God. We just praise you and thank you for your glorious, glorious love that you give to each and every one of us, for your word that we can stand on whenever we're just feeling down, Father God. And we just thank you that our happiness doesn't depend on us. It depends on you and you can supply our every need in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like any prayer and if you've got a situation that's happening in your place and if you would like any prayer, please come, come forward. The prayer team will...